Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about First Baptist Church of Silva, please visit firstbaptistsilva.com. We don't know the name of the one who wrote this. But one thing we know, he knew that he wasn't getting any younger. This is the prayer of an aging person and amidst this, his prayer begins with great faith, but then it's interrupted by great fear. And then somehow he's able to return to great faith again. So you have aging, faith, fear, faith again. So the psalm does begin with great faith, such great faith in God that he proclaims God to be his rock, his refuge. He says, God's going to incline his ear to me. God's going to save me. God's known me ever since I was born. And this aging man tells God over and over again, I'll praise you more and more. I'll tell of your deeds all day long. But even as he heaped praise on God, his rock, his refuge, he was shaken with fear. He was scared of the wicked. He was scared of the unjust and the cruel. He was scared of anyone who might take advantage of him as he aged and as he became more and more vulnerable. And this man was especially scared when his adversaries hissed this at him and said, you are forsaken. God has forsaken you. And that shook him to his core. And when this aging man heard that, it just unleashed a whole cascade of fears. What's going to happen to me when I die? Will that be the end of me? Will I be discarded and forgotten? Will my life have meant nothing? And he cried out, Oh God, don't be far from me. Oh God, make haste to save me. So in the midst of these fears, he begins to review his life. And he asks of himself, have I lived well? Or have I lived like a fool? In the movie Saving Private Ryan, Ryan returns to Normandy Beach decades after D-Day, and he's an old man. He goes there with his wife and his family and he is frantically searching about the American cemetery on the cliff over Normandy, on the bluff over Normandy. He's searching for something and he finds the tombstone of the captain who died to save his life. And he remembers the captain's last words to him, earn this. And Ryan looks to his wife and says, tell me I'm a good man. Tell me I've lived. A good life. Isn't that what we all want to hear when we take stock of how we've lived? 
Well, when the old man in this psalm reviewed his own life, he remembered some blessed moments. He remembered how he trusted in God since he was just a youth. He remembered how God had been involved in his life since the day he was born. And then he said something startling. You who have done great things of God, who is like you? You who have made me see many troubles and calamities. Well, that's pretty honest. It's kind of startling how honest he is. He's remembering the great things God did in his life, yes, but he also remembered the troubles and the calamities, the times when God felt pretty far away from him. Once again, he remembered great fear. Now, I've, I've never considered myself to be a particularly fearful or anxious person. Uh, I've always been kind of a calm, kind of a chill kind of guy. Uh, but this, my 68th year, I'm beginning to feel something I hadn't felt before. I'm beginning to feel kind of anxious. It kind of comes over me in, in waves. Sometimes uh, it's a strange thing. I think, I really think the anxiety at the times is beginning to catch up with me. Uh, the anxiety of war is, I think, caught up with me, you know. The idea of war in Europe for me all of my life has been a history lesson until now when it's front page news and now you read about thousands dying in Ukraine and millions being displaced all over the world, one, at least one family even coming to Asheville. Over in Black Mountain are Gennady and Mina Podgaisky. They are Cooperative Baptist Fellowship field personnel who have ministered for 20 years in Kyiv. And fortunately, they were in Black Mountain when the invasion began. They have been able to go over back and forth. And when I talk with them, I just begin to fear for my world. The anxiety of global pestilence is catching up with me. I still don't know when to wear a mask and when not to. Bless you all who are wearing masks, by the way. This coronavirus keeps on mutating about every six months. And thank God for vaccinations and for medications that can keep us out of the hospital now, but still, you know, everybody's getting it. I've gotten it. I don't want to get it again. Makes me anxious. The anxiety, the anxiety of climate change is catching up with me. I mean, this summer, a thousand heat-related deaths in Portugal, Western Europe on fire, Western United States on fire. Last year, a flood that took out 500 homes in Canton. This year, a flood that took out scores of lives in Kentucky. Yeah, I know we're doing things to make things better, but sometimes I get anxious that we may have passed the point of no return and the temperature will keep rising. The anxieties of mass shootings sometimes catches up with me and if I start to dwell on it, when you think of 
every public place now potentially being a killing field, parade grounds, markets, schools, all of that stuff we don't want to think about. So for me, a normally calm kind of guy, every now and then this year, I've had to stop and just say, whoa. It's kind of like, if you've ever been in a close call on the highway and you get through it, but then you've got to pull over on the side of the road and collect yourself. It's, I've had some of those moments this year. And sometimes under my breath, I find myself saying, oh God, don't be far from me. Oh God, make haste to help me. Well, back to this psalm. After that man tells of his great fears, he somehow finds a way to return to his faith. He says, from the depths of the earth, you bring me up again. You'll increase my honor. You'll comfort me again. This mature man who's seen so much of life, so much blessedness, so much wretchedness, this man some way returns to the faith that God is indeed his refuge, his rock, his fortress. So Psalm 71 is this psalm of faith and fear and his psalm of faith again. It's his prayer. That was the prayer of an old man. I want to tell you also about the prayer of a young woman, actually a young mother. I first met her, her name was Settle, Settle Plyler Monroe. Uh, I first met her when she was flat on her back in the room in Duke Hospital. She already had twin boys and her husband Jeff was taking care of them at home, but she was pregnant and she was desperately trying to keep this pregnancy. And she had to rest for weeks in Duke Hospital until the baby was born. And he was. Duncan was born and he was healthy and it was good. Some months after that, they're waking up on a Sunday morning. Uh, they go up to the room where the twins are, the older boys, Webb and Jack, and Webb is not moving. He is dead. He was taken by a virus that no one knew he had. And this shook her and her faith to the core. She started writing, not a psalm. She started a blog. She entitled the blog, As I Walk, which came from the same psalm that the choir sang from Psalm 23, As I Walk Through the Valley of the Shadow. And she wrote of what she was going through how to deal with such a shaken faith. He was remembering how little moments would just seem to bring waves of grief, just ordinary moments like setting the table and realizing she's setting the table for five instead of four, as if Webb was still alive. Or she wrote at the time on an Ash Wednesday when she went to Webb's grave and just lay flat on her face in the dirt and then when she rose, she discovered that the dirt had made the sign of the cross on her forehead. 
She wrote on another day, and maybe this was, uh, well, no, on Good Friday, she wrote this. She found herself drawn to Mary, mother of Jesus, and she wrote, we have both buried our young sons. And these tragedies are the ties that bind on this Good Friday, while my eyes and thoughts center on Jesus, my heart is drawn to his mother, Mary. Sometime after that, she writes again. I think it was probably, it sounds like Pentecost Day because she wrote this. She wrote, some days are for digging deep, for hunkering low to the ground, for waiting for the wave to wash over. And those days are for riding it out and for toughing through it. But some days are filled with so much fire. On days such as this, when my spirit is both thirsty and quenched, when my soul is both ablaze and at peace, when even the dirt shines and the dust grows sunflowers, these days are for coming alive. Are the prayers of an old man and a young mother so different? I think their prayers trace the same arc from faith to fear to faith again. Both of them found some way through all that to believe again that God is their rock, their fortress, their refuge. And what of you and me? Do we not pray for God to be our refuge too? Like that man in Psalm 71, like that woman in her blog, each of us has gone through or will go through our own valley of the shadow. And what then can we believe when we pray for God to be our refuge? There's a man named John Claypool who had a young daughter who, who also died way too young. He tried to express it this way. He said, sometimes God answers our prayers and miraculously intervenes in our lives to do for us what we cannot do ourselves. Uh, our psalm today is an example of that. This aging man is remembering when God intervened and provided a refuge for him. And it is a wonderful thing whenever that happens. It doesn't always happen. But if that doesn't happen, does something else happen? Claypool says there are other times when God invites us to be God's partners in providing help to ourselves or maybe to others. So God is inviting us to work together with earthly helpers that God's placed around us. Uh, settled Plyler Monroe, Monroe's experience is an example of this. When she was being still to make sure she had that baby Duncan she was working together with all those angelic earthly helpers in Duke Hospital, working together with them so that would happen. That's an example of that. Uh, and it's wonderful when you are in a tight spot and you see all these earthly helpers that God has placed around you and you work together with them. And when that happens, it's great. But it doesn't always happen. Uh, John Claypool says there are other times, yet other times, when God answers our prayers by giving to us 
the spiritual power to endure the suffering. An example of this is when the Apostle Paul was praying that the thorn in his side be removed and God's answer was, My, you know this answer, my grace is sufficient for you. And when Settle Plyler Monroe was going through her loss, eventually she found that that was the answer for her too. That after the death of Webb, even though she wasn't spared the suffering, she found God's grace sufficient to get through it. So how can we speak of God as our refuge? Sometimes there is divine rescue and intervention, but sometimes not. Sometimes God places around us helpers who can work together with us, uh, but sometimes not. But when there is no heavenly rescue, and even when there doesn't seem to be anyone around us to help, there is still this. God can give us the power to endure the suffering without surrendering to the anger of rage or the darkness of despair. Hear this. By the grace of God, the worst thing that ever can happen to us is never the last thing.